Athletics Podcast. Be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Click that subscribe button and leave a comment. Anyways, I got my guy Tevin in here. I'm your host, Kyle Cogbatori, and we have the pleasure of having American curler and gold medalist John Landsteiner with us today. How's it going, John? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Doing well. I'm, getting, I'm getting sad that it's starting to get cold here in Minnesota. Uh, I was enjoying the nice weather this last week and a half. Yeah, our, uh, our leaves up here are brown and on the ground by now so i i think it's a little nicer where you guys are i'm assuming you're in the twin cities we're getting there we're uh, getting there you're up in duluth right yeah i'm in duluth uh lived here for 12 years now i uh, went to college up at umd and and stuck around is that the only other town besides mapleton that has curling rinks in minnesota uh, no no, no. Uh, I, I don't know i've only heard of these two towns so fill me in yeah, Mapleton, Mankato, Otana, Rochester, St. Paul, Blaine, Chaska, Brainerd, Duluth, Eveleth, Hibbing, Detroit Lakes, Stephen, Minnesota. I'm just naming off towns that I know that have them. Wilmer. Holy I mean, there's, there, there's about I think there's about 25 clubs uh, in Minnesota, and there's about 30 in Wisconsin. Um, but the Twin Cities is becoming the mecca of curling right now in the United States. Um, Previously, they just had the St. Paul Club up until about 10 years ago. Uh, they built a club in Blaine at Fogarty Arena, right off of 65 there. Um, and then more recently, Chaska, the city of Chaska, built a club um, downtown. And it's I, I consider it kind of the Taj Mahal. It's, it's a gorgeous building. Uh, they put like $25 million into it, and it was a big risk. But um, I think they are really seeing it pay off for them. Um, there's there's talks about adding a giant facility in Stillwater. The Minnesota Vikings are talking about making a, a curling rink on their campus in uh, in Egan. Really? Um, I don't know how public that knowledge is, but <laughs> it is now. Um, I don't know how far along that is, but yeah, I mean, and Richfield's trying to build one. I mean, it's it's just expanding like crazy in the Twin Cities and and all over the country. Um, you're seeing dedicated facilities, which means it's a building specific to curling. Um, there's dedicated facilities and there's arena clubs. Arena clubs are they rent ice uh, at hockey rinks. So but you're seeing. Are they doing this basically because of you guys though? Like, is that what's bringing all this awareness to Minnesota about this? To the to the whole country. Um, I mean, it, it was it was starting. It all really started to expand like in 2006 when uh, uh, Team USA uh, won a bronze medal, and then the Olympics has really spurred the growth of curling. And, but our gold medal, I mean, we traveled all over the country, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, and, and met people from, from all sorts of different clubs that are new to curling and their level of interest is in crazy high. And, and now you're seeing dedicated clubs in Arizona. They're building one in San Francisco. Um, there's a bunch on the East coast. I mean, North Carolina, uh, I, just to what I can think of right there. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy to, to have it grow that fast and, and be a sport that was non-existent in many of those states not too long ago. That is crazy. And, and I mean, our connection is through Mapleton. Um, our, our buddy, a mutual buddy of ours, Eli. Let's, let's shout out Eli right off the bat because I know he's going to listen and he's going to hear that we shouted him out. <laughs> um, 
but he told me you guys actually did curling for gym class. Like that was part of growing up. Yeah. Uh, there's actually quite a few, uh, schools that do that in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're from Mapleton, Minnesota, which, uh, is a town of, it used to be 1,678. And I knew that because it's one, six, seven, eight. Uh, I don't know what it is now, but it, it has a strong heritage of Scottish people. And they brought the sport there in like 18 something. Uh, they used to curl on the Maple River, which Maple River is the name of the school district we went to. Um, and it's just a little four sheet club. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd have gym class and we'd, we'd take like little tests on the rules of curling. And then uh, for like two weeks, I think we'd go down there for an hour and, and just kind of play around. And uh, there was actually quite a few of my classmates that would participate outside of that too. So you know, it was, it just happened to be the niche that I caught on to the most. Uh, were you dusting class. kids back then too? Was I what? I'm sorry. Were you dusting kids back then too? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was one of the people that everybody wanted on their team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I started playing when I was eight. I go back to, uh, I think about it in the form of catechism class. Um, I go to a uh, catechism in Mapleton there and, uh, the year that I started skipping classes to go curling on Wednesday nights was, I think, second grade when we when we had to learn how to do communion. So that's how I that's how I go back in time and remember that. But um, and I actually started playing competitive tournaments or bond spiels we call them uh, when I was twelve. I played in my first state playdown up in Hibbing. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been a long road that I've been playing competitively and and this this year with COVID is I just went the longest stretch I think I've ever gone since I was 12 of not throwing a rock, uh, which was about from February to yesterday or Tuesday. Yeah. Yesterday. No kidding. Yeah. So you can't even get anywhere to practice at all. Even with all uh, the tracks that you got. Well, we, we could drive down to the cities. They've, they've had ice for like a month or two. Uh, but I personally, I, uh, I'm trying to be cautious probably more so than a lot of people. And I'd, I don't have any interest in quarantining for 14 days, so I just avoid traveling whenever. And the only traveling we've done is to see family. So um, I just choose not to go to those places where, you know, I could get get the virus. And but our club here, uh, the ice got was prepped and ready uh, on Monday, and uh, leagues are starting next week. So we'll see how that goes. Right on. Everybody's gonna have to mask up. I. I... The one thing I want to do before we really drill into it, the one last little tidbit is I heard you're quite the uh, ping pong player, and Eli oh, likes God. to tell me that he he beat a gold medalist in ping pong. He loves oh, to tell he'd, me that. He'd probably kill me now. I haven't played ping pong since probably since high school, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, my parents had a, a pool table downstairs, and so I and then we put a top on it, ping pong table top. So I'd I'd, I'd play quite a bit, and I know we we played each other a few times, but. If that's what if that's the credit he needs, he can take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he needs that one. I think that's for yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, go he ahead. was a basketball player, though. I was I was not. <laughs> so, and kind of like as because curling isn't the most mainstream sport in the in the history of mankind. But when you kind of early in it, and you say you know like as a young kid like doing it in school, like what was the moment like when you kind of realized like oh, I'm actually good at this and then trying to explain that to whether it was your parents or your friends like hey I think I want to try and see how far I can do this curling thing yeah well I guess the way it kind of happened was um 
my dad played in leagues, which is how most kids when I was growing up, like learned about the sport. And so we'd go and watch and have a cheeseburger for dinner. And, and eventually I was old enough to start playing. So I'd start playing. And I guess I, I kind of, I kind of just got pretty decent at it. Like in, in the form that I had the finesse side of it where I could just lob a rock into the circles or the house pretty easily. So then all the older guys would, would say that, you know, when, when I would come in, they'd, they'd tell the other guys, Hey, you brought in the ringer tonight. I see. So <laughs> that was kind of the start of that. And then, um, you know, I, I had a group of friends that, uh, from school that we decided to play competitively for a few years there. And, probably the only four people in our high school that were interested in doing that. Um, so we ganged up and, and played down for three or four years or whatever. And, um, you know, you, you get that competitive, that feeling and, and what it's like to win and to lose. And that kind of just drives you to, to want to keep doing that. Um, I'm recently discovered that again, this summer with golf, but, um, but then, you know, it, it really, probably grew when I started attending curling camps and yes, there are summer curling camps that they would host <laughs> in, uh, in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. And that's where I met, you know, so many of my curling friends and, um, you get, you get pretty close to all those people in, in that world and, uh, excuse my dog there. Um, and, and I really didn't know where it was going to go until I, I came to Duluth for college and, um, I turned 21 and that ended my junior career. And then John Schuster, who many people would know that name now, mm -hmm. uh, he asked me to play with him, and that was in 2011. And so I've been playing with him. It'll be like 10 years now uh, this year. Is John from Minnesota as well? John is from Chisholm, yep, up on the Iron Range. Right on, right on. Well, that team was all four, was like four guys from Minnesota and one from Wisconsin, right? Yep. Uh, so on the, on the gold medal team, it was John Schuster from Chisholm, Tyler George from Duluth, Matt Hamilton uh, from McFarland, Wisconsin, which is just south of Madison, and then uh, myself from Mapleton living in Duluth. Well, so let's dive into or I'm, I'm going to talk about some of your accolades right here. I'm going to list them off, and then we'll kind of dive in as, as we went through your career, um, kind of year by year during it, because it's such a cool story. It actually reminds me of... Uh, I don't know if you've watched this movie, but Beer Fest or like Jamaican, it's, it's like oh, yeah. Beer Fest combined <laughs> with uh, the Jamaican bobsled team. I, I could cool see this runnings. movie happening. Yes, cool runnings. I could see this uh, movie happening and it should yeah. happen. We need to talk to Warner, Warner Brothers or somebody in power and make this a thing. But I mean, uh, obviously, or go ahead. Sorry. That's an active, that's an active thing right now. Uh, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love, who's well, going to play you? Oh, we don't, it's not that far. There's, there's writers involved right now. Oh, <laughs> Vin Diesel, yeah. Dude, if I could get a role in your movie, please let me know. I'll do whatever you need. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I, uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't know where it's at right now, but it's definitely a work in progress. It, it's got to be a comedy because, I mean, even the rejects, that part of it. Like, and I don't even want to give that away. Sorry, listeners. I didn't mean to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the script real quick. So, again, gold medalist, first ever curling gold medalist ever for the u.s then you also were a world champion uh or a bronze medal world champion at at basil right or basel right am i saying basil right? basil, basil. Yep. then u.s men's championship you got gold in 2020 gold in 2019 gold in 2017 gold in 2015 silver in 2016 bronze in 2013 and bronze in 2012 so you've been doing this a long time and you've been kicking butt for a very long time 
Yeah, uh, and all of those medals were with John Schuster. You know, we've been through three or four different teams, me and him. And uh, there was only one year we didn't medal at nationals. Um, that was that was after coming back from Sochi in 2014. We were just burnt out, and we, I think we actually missed the medal round by kind of a, a fluke thing with the record. But anyway, yeah, it's been a lot of successes uh, with our teams, and and uh, I'm also you know like a mixed league champion in Duluth once or twice <laughs> like to like to take the credit with that too once in a while but um yeah i the question i have to, for myself that i have to answer is how long can i can i keep keep doing that you know but and uh this this last summer and and going into this year has been uh really interesting on the mind the mindset of of you know finding those competitive juices uh and the itch to keep playing or not and um all summer, I, I didn't have that itch, but as soon as I threw that first rock, like a day or two ago, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I feel like it's a sport that you could do forever, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like football, where if you're not playing after high school, it's pretty hard to go out there and play again somewhere else, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, curling is a lifelong sport. It, uh, people can play it basically till they can't walk anymore. So, it, you know, it's, it's just like golf, again. They're very relatable sports. Um, but as far as competitive play, you really, you probably have a maximum lifespan until you're about age 50, 55. Uh, there's some guys that are proving that wrong, but, um, you know, depends what position you play. If you're, if you're the skip, uh, you maybe don't have as much vigorous activity involved with your position as say I would as a lead. Uh, the sweeping is, is, a, is, you know, it's a pretty physical activity, whereas uh, skipping is a little less and that having that less activity can prolong your career, I think. Right on. Well, let's bring it back to 2014. U.S. had a poor performance in the Winter Olympics. So then the United States Curling Association held an athlete combine to determine which curlers to include in their high-performance program, known as HPP, which was aimed at having a better success in the Olympics. Now, you and your boy Schuster did not make this team. You guys created your own team called the Rejects, am I right? Yeah, that's the that's the story. Uh, so what's the real story? Uh, I mean, that's partially true. Uh, so what happened, yes, they had the combine. Uh, and what that consisted of was athletes that wanted to be in the program had to go and, and showcase their skills, I guess, on the ice. And, and there was physical activity testing and there was knowledge tests and we did all that. And, um, yeah, John was... John was not chosen to be on the team. And uh, in the interview process, I actually kind of told them I wanted to take some time off. So I wasn't necessarily cut or anything. I, I, I chose not to, I guess. Um, but yeah, so then, so then John called Tyler George. They talked. They've been battling against each other, banging heads for years. Why not make a team? So they did that. They found Matt. And then they eventually talked me back into playing. And um, we, we went... We were kind of like the bad boys of curling. <laughs> well, yeah, we were kind of like the average Joes per se, not in the program, trying to to beat down the program, and and uh, and we did that, and we won the 2015 national championship and went to the worlds, and we we lost in a tiebreaker uh, for the playoffs there, and after that, we were brought into the program as uh, like a tier A team, I think, and um, we proceeded to go to the worlds the next like three years and eventually the olympics well hold on one second did they beg you to come 
onto their or into their program? Did they have to beg you, or were you guys excited to join? I just want to know. I I guess I don't recall any begging. I I if you know if, when we were asked to join, I think it was an it was an obvious answer of yes because there's funding involved, and uh, believe it or not, curlers don't make a lot of money uh, from curling. So any type of funding you can get or free money to to pay for your travel and your hotel and all of that. That's a, that's a huge win and like to not take advantage of that um, would have been a mistake. Plus yeah. we, we then had access to sports psychologists, which was new for curling for in the U S we had the trainers and um, all the coaches and there's just a lot of support by being in the program. We're, I mean, so they, I mean, clearly some people make mistakes and obviously they did because you guys beat the pants off of both of their teams, right? Both of their A teams. To win that championship? Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we ended up winning. The, I don't know what the game results were, but yeah, we we ended up winning the the nationals in fifteen. Uh, in sixteen, we got second, I think. But we went to the worlds because of uh, it was a point system, and then we won it in seventeen and the eighteen trials, and then and then the rest is history. <laughs> So, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm going through it. It, it says here you guys, you, you lost to Brady Clark in the final, but because of the points, you were able to make your trip back to Worlds. Um, so you went Correct, to Switzerland. Yeah. You beat Japan's Yusuke Morazumi, Morazumi. in yep. the bronze medal match, earning the first Worlds men's medal since 2007. Yep, that's correct, yeah. And, and But, you know, going from that to the Olympics, um, you know, I the people that don't – that don't follow curling probably thought we didn't have a very good chance of meddling at, at the Olympics. But in our minds, we thought we did because we, we played all those teams a bunch of times previously, you know, being at the worlds in 2016, 17 and or 15, 16, 17, you know, we had played all these teams and we had beaten some, we had lost to some. And we knew that coming in that because of our experience at those competitions, we, we had a very good chance of meddling and, um, you know, we had a rough start, but uh, we were able to fight back uh, in Pyeongchang and and bring home some uh, some metal, some hardware things, uh, you know, like this. <laughs> hey, whipping out the gold medal! Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. That's awesome. You know what? Hey, I heard there's a ring that comes with that thing. Yeah, you want to hear that? You must know that story. I do know that story. I'd love for you to tell it. <laughs> Typing my name in the Google machine, that'll pop right up. <laughs> um, yeah, every Olympian in the U.S. gets gets a uh, ring. Uh, it's I don't remember who it's made by, but um, you get a ring, and and on it is your name and your sport and the year and, and all that information. Uh, so we we ended up out in California after the gold medal, uh, attending the ESPYS. Uh, so we we were nominated for an ESPY. We didn't win. But we got to attend, which was super cool. And then that night, we went down to Huntington Beach, and we're having a great time because we this company took us on their like forty foot yacht around the bay, and um, we were treated very well. And then around midnight, we decided to go out to the beach and go for a swim. And my buddy, my teammate Matt, was taking off his rings and watches and stuff. And, and my wife's like, "Oh, you should give me your rings so you don't lose them." So I'm I'm knee. I'm on my knees in, in, at the edge of the water and taking off this ring, my Olympic ring, and a wave comes up and knocks me over, and the ring falls out of my hand and gone, just, you know, 
you know how the sand moves on the beach. Um, we probably spent like 20 minutes looking for it, but it was pitch black. Um, anyway, sad week or two following, I was at home and I got a Facebook message from a guy at Channel 5 News out in LA. And he, he was acting kind of weird. He's like, hey, uh, this is so-and-so from Channel 5. I want to do an interview with you about curling. Just ask you some questions. And I was kind of over it. I, I kind of blew him off. And then finally, like a couple days later, he tried again. And he goes, so uh, I'm standing here in, at Huntington Beach with a guy who thinks he has something that belongs to you. And so I, it clicked right there. I was like, holy crap. So I, I took uh, the Zoom or FaceTime car or whatever. And he was literally at the beach with the guy that found my ring with a metal detector. And uh, side note, that, that gentleman, um, he actually GoPro'd the day he found it. So you can watch him with his GoPro on, <laughs> find the ring in the water. And uh, we flew out there, met the guy, and he gave me the ring back. And we, we got him one of these prints that's behind me uh, yes. that were made. And uh, just, yeah, it was, it was really cool and very, very cool of him to, to be willing to give it back. You know, it, his right. thing is he'll, he'll give anything back as long as you can prove that it's yours with, you know, whether it's a scripture on the inside or something like that. But mine was pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, not too many gold medal curling rings floating around on Huntington Beach, I'm guessing. I, I don't think so. I, I had the insurance ready to go to, like, buy a new one and everything. And, um, you know, there, there's a story of another athlete a while back that lost theirs and it was recovered. 20 or 30 years later. So that's kind of what I was expecting. Not, not two weeks. Right. <laughs> that's Man, an awesome and, story. And going to the Olympics, like you hear all the time about how there's just like, it's essentially like one big party in the Olympic campus or whatever you want to call it. Is that, that live up to the hype and your expectations of what you were looking forward to, or was it more mellow? Uh, well, for us, it was pretty mellow. Um, I think, I think had we been out of the competition a little earlier, we probably would have had a little more fun. Um, and I think it's a lot more fun for the single people that are there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can't really comment on, on that whole thing. And then there's, I mean, you've heard the rumors about uh, certain uh, things that are available to, to people. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, like truckloads of condoms that they just dump yeah. on the streets. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of, what kind of, uh, words you're able to use on your podcast here. Every, yeah. You could swear if you want to swear. It's uh, not a big deal. We're, we're <laughs> growing people listening to this. But for us, you know, playing for the gold medal, like being in competition the whole time, our game, our last game was like the end of the Olympics. So we were like the last competition out of anything in the, in any event. So, and then after that, we had to do interviews with NBC for, for God knows how long it was. It felt like forever. It was, probably had two hours of sleep in the last two days but so here here is my question of you four there has to be at least one guy in that group that's got to be like the john daly of your group that's got to be he's he's still ripping even though he's got a competition the next morning or whatever is there a guy out there that's like <laughs> he likes to work as hard or party as hard as he likes to work as hard as he likes you know what i'm saying yeah i you know curlers in general like to do that <laughs> to some extent, uh, even at the top level, you'll see it. I mean, you won't see it at the Olympics. You won't see it at a world championship. But once teams are out and the end of the event's over, they, they know how to party. So there's probably a lot of John Daly's in the curling world. Oh. As, far as, as far as my team goes, you know, it, I don't know. We all like to have a good time, but nobody's, nobody's over the top. 
I keep thinking about this movie. You guys got to do it. Right? And then, as well, like, also, and, like, at the Olympics, you're around a lot of the top athletes. Was there anybody that you kind of actively looked to seek out at all? Like, me, I'm looking for, like, LeBron James and see if I can actually like, bump into him or whatever else. Is there anybody like that that you tried to, to meet? Well, I'm, I'm a pretty big introvert, so I wasn't really the one that probably would be doing that. But I know, like, like Tyler and, and John, they'd go out and, and try to meet anybody they could. Uh, who would who would be a name? I, I don't know. We ended up hanging out with Sean White in in, uh, in Japan, like a few months after, for a little bit. Uh, but and then we actually we got to hang out with Lindsey Vaughn on a car ride to the closing ceremony. But you know, those are those are the big names that I can think of. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's tons of uh, that. That was the first year they didn't have pro hockey players there. I think if I remember correctly was 2018 so there weren't any of those whereas like in 2014 uh they have the the png house procter and gamble where families can go and they can get food and hang out between events um and like tj oshi was ended up being in there with his family you know just like anybody else and that was that was the year where he uh had that that overtime uh shootout goal and and yeah he was the man yeah, that was that might have been like his breakout. I, I mean, I don't, I don't follow hockey that well, but and that's another Minnesota boy, right? I mean, Yoshi's from here, isn't he? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm sure. A... I'm pretty sure he is. I think like right after that year, I ran into his wife at a bachelorette party because I have this golf tournament up there every year, and everybody was because that was the year he blew up. Everybody was bragging that she's married. Yeah, EJ. I'm like, yeah, you're married a pretty big. Pretty big time dude. That's pretty awesome. Good for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds right. I don't know where he's from, but oh, I, you know, I have this thing called a a smartphone that doubles as a communication device. Let's talk about uh, this. From dude. Washington. Oh, is he? I yeah. thought he was from here. Um, but so back to it though. I want to talk about your winter Olympics. Um, going into even being able to play, you had to beat out McCormick's team, Heath McCormick. And yeah. that was a, a best of three series. Going into that, were you guys kind of nervous? Or were you just like, all right, let's get this over with. We're ready to rock them. Or, or how does that go? Um, yeah, uh, more nervous for those games than any game in the Olympics by far. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and I think because the the story that our guys tell is I think it was – I don't know if it was before the first of the three games or the, the last. I think it was the last one because we were tied 1-1 going into the third game. Um, I remember I was taking a nap, but Tyler and John and I think Matt were downstairs and we had an Airbnb there in the living room. And the, from what I hear, it goes, Tyler just kind of stopped watching TV and asked John, he's like, what's the most nervous you've ever been for a curling game? And I think like all four of us in the end agreed it was like that game. Um, for me – the reason I was nervous is because I'd been to the Olympics before, so I knew like what it meant to go and and honestly the the kind of free stuff you get and you know I was pretty pumped about that and and uh, <laughs> to to know what's on the line kind of added to it. But once once you get out on the ice and get into your routine, I think we were fine. It was just that having to sit there and wait and wait and wait for for this time to come and to to get to the arena and get going. We just wanted, just wanted to get it going and get it over with, you know? 
And then, so you win. You beat them. It's your second time at the Olympics. But the craziest part about it all is you guys lost four of your first six matches and had to win the remaining three to even qualify for the playoffs in the Olympics. And your remaining opponents were three of the top four teams. Yeah, we had Canada. Canada was the first one we had to win. Then in Great Britain and Switzerland and... I, I don't remember, but <laughs> yeah. And that's right. three. I mean, so you, you guys finished then five and four to even be able to compete in the Olympics. How, I mean, you guys were riding it to the end every single turn you took. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy to think about, like, uh, the first, to, to beat Canada just in the, in the round robin was a big deal because the U.S. never beat Canada in men's curling to date. And so we ended up winning that game. And that, that had to be just a big, you know, boost for, for us and for our fans. And, and one thing that really kept us going was our fans. There was, there was probably like 80 people, I like to say, from family and friends that were there. Mm-hmm. And they, would, they were supposed to be assigned to like different seats, you know, but they would just kind of tell the, the ushers to back off in a polite way and, and just form a gigantic group cheering section. And so I give a lot of credit to our fans, but, um, yeah, to the, I remember the round robin game against Canada. The next few games are a blur, and then I remember the semifinal and the final. And you know, it, we knew that if we got to that final game against Sweden, that we had obviously we were getting a medal, but we also knew we had a good chance of winning because we had played those guys so many times. I mean, like most the average person would have no idea, but um, we had beat them enough times where we knew we could beat them again. So you're, you're, I know you said it's kind of a blur, but so do you have to beat, you had to beat them in the semifinal Canada again, right? So you had to beat them Correct. twice. Yep. And that's that Kevin Coe, who's a two-time world champ. Everybody knows this guy. He's the real deal. Yeah. Kevin Cooey. Yep. Or Cooey. <laughs> yeah. Cooey. Um, he's won. He's, I don't, I don't remember if they had a world championship by then, but okay. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's been around a long time and he's, he's still, still out there with, uh, one of the top teams in the world and um we had never beat them until like the one the month before the olympics that was the first time we beat them and then we ended up beating them two more times and they've probably beat us every time since (laughs) (laughs) well then the gold medal match is against nicholas eden am i saying that one right yeah it's a dean or eden or i've heard it multiple ways i've never actually asked him anyway well against sweden and that one's close, too, because through seven ends, you guys are tied 5-5, five, five, but you guys pull it out in the eighth end and set, set up at a 10-7 victory. I mean, yeah. after that, you're popping the beers, all the bush lattes, and <laughs> somebody was. <laughs> um, speaking of side note on that, uh, if you watch that game or a few of the games over, you'll hear Chance in the stands uh, screaming box of beer because uh, <laughs> they would send one person to get the beer. And uh, there was no limit on how many you could take back. Kind of like in the states, it's usually two. Yeah. So they'd, somebody would get sent to go get a whole box. Um, <laughs> back back to the game. Uh, yeah, it was a back and forth game. Uh, I know um, uh, the first. It was like the third end, third or fourth end. Uh, John made a double for two, cross house double. That was that was huge. And then it was all back and forth up until that eighth end and. Uh, Nick kind of just got caught on a, a straight spot and and left an opening for John to to make a double to play five and basically win the game. 
Um, the only way that we were losing that game is if we royally effed up. Uh, but, and I, I, I listened to a podcast Tyler talked uh, on recently, and, and the way he put it was, you know, that you don't remember anything about that game until that score of five, because that's when you finally wake up and you're like, Oh, like, Holy crap. Now we gotta, now we gotta not screw up. <laughs> Dude, I can't even imagine the, the feelings like everything going over you or coming over you. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. Is it crazy to think that this kid from a small town of 1,678 people, I think is what you said or something close to that. Yeah. 1,678, but then you have, uh, you're throwing this, this thing on some ice and it brought you all around the world. And now you have this gold medallion that you can flash in people's face for life. Does it blow your mind when you think about it like that? Absolutely. It's, it is on, it's crazy, but I mean, I guess that's how everybody gets started in something, but it, to, to have it be you, you know, it, I guess it just, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, and what was more mind blowing to me was when I'd go back home and people treated me not necessarily different, but you know what I mean? Like right. a little oh different. Gosh, like I, like I was a rock star. Yeah, exactly. It was, it's just weird. And I'm, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge introvert. I mean, not compared to my teammates I am, but uh, to, to have that uh, much attention on me was really odd. And I mean, it was cool. I, I embraced it for a long time and things have cooled off now, but, it just uh, what's really mind blowing to me is how supportive everybody what is about it and how excited they are. You know, it's like it was like the whole town of Mapleton won that medal, and that's that's how I feel about it too. Um, we actually kind of say all the time that it's, it's America's medal; it's not necessarily ours. We just happen to hold on to it because if if you saw this thing in person, you'd you'd see it's, it's been through a lot of hands and, uh, <laughs> and we, we, we definitely shared it with a lot of people because that's what we believe uh, we, we needed to do. Well, it, it's funny you said that the town of Mapleton, um, I remember watching you actually very vividly. I never knew anything about curling. Uh, my wife's best friend is, is Marcy and her husband, Paul. He's yep. very avid curling fan. So I learned all about this, like on the fly. And I was sitting there screaming at the TV with everybody, like, watched everybody in the room, how they're reacting to stuff so I could kind of understand it. And it was, it was a really big deal. Like, everybody see, that, was going nuts. That, it all goes back to having uh, curling in high school gym class because <laughs> now they knew they know what's going on. That's the best right. part about it. It, it. I know, like Kyle, zero about curling. Like, this, the rock that you are throwing – how heavy is that? Is this like a 40-pound rock? Is this like, like, what's the standard, I guess, curling weight for people that don't know, like myself? The standard is it has to be between 38 and 44. So you get a new rock, and it'll be like probably around 44 pounds. Over time, they bang each other, and they wear down, so they reshape them, and they become smaller. But, yeah, typically we like to say 42 pounds. Okay, and then do you bring your own personal rock in, like, a bag, and this is our rock, or do they give you one when you get to the Olympics and you got to figure out the ebbs and flows of it? Rocks are provided at every every curling club, every uh, every Worlds, every Nationals, every Olympics. Like, Olympic rocks mm -hmm. are typically new rocks, if you could call them that. Yeah. Uh, they're fresh off out the quarry and, and made for the Olympics, um, okay. and then they get they get used for maybe, like, 
Korea might keep them for something. Um, okay. But yeah, every time you have to you have to learn the personalities of each each, each of the rocks and. Um, which I don't really need to get into how that right. works, but <laughs> and then and then also I'm just gonna call him a broom. I don't know the official word for it, but is the sweeper thing is that also provided, or do you have like your own personal like a hockey stick type of situation where this is mine? We we bring our own brooms, shoes, and uniforms, and everything but the rocks, pretty much in oh, the yeah. ice. So the um, the rocks haven't been. Like you were asking, do you bring your own rocks? That hasn't happened since like 1912. <laughs> so I'm a little behind the times is, is what you're yeah, telling. They, they used to do that, though. Like I have um, I have a couple sitting by my fireplace here that are probably around that old that maybe at one time were brought to the pond by, yeah. by a curler, you know what I mean? That's cool. <laughs> So what, what happens? You win a gold medal. Do they take you out on a tour around the country to show off your medals and shake, you know, I mean, kiss babies and shake hands? Right. Are you treated like loop? the president? Yeah, I want to know what's going on afterwards. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so let me, I can remember. I'll tell you what we did. We got all these pictures back here. Um, so the first thing we did was we got home. Uh, we fly into the Del- Minneapolis or Detroit airport, um, Delta, there was this whole Twitter thing where like USA curling tweeted, Hey, Delta got me like Delta one upgrades for our gold medal curlers. And they didn't. So they got some flack on Twitter, but we get to good. Get Screw to Delta Detroit. For that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of that, I think we get to Detroit and they give us free passes to the lounge or whatever, and get to shower. And then, and then they have this chauffeur car. Like they're usually like a Porsche or something. And they just drove us around the airport for like an hour before, and then took us to our plane. Uh, so we did that. And then Minneapolis, they chauffeured us through the airport. And then when we got to Duluth, uh, Duluth had fire trucks out on the runway shooting water over our plane. Yeah. <laughs> and we had, uh, we had a police escort back home where we ended up going to the curling club. Um, so that was really cool. And then there was a big welcome ceremony at the deck in Duluth. Um, but then like a day later, we all went to New York City. And we did the Jimmy Fallon show. Um, we opened the stock market at NYSC. We uh, did a little photo thing with Sports Illustrated, um, which ended up in the March edition, I think. It was just like a, one of those big pages. Um, then we, I don't know, just did some tourist stuff. And after that, we, uh, two of my teammates met a guy at one of the bars in New York City who they started talking about golf and he, he used to work for like Taylor made used to work for Callaway used to work for a Titleist or whatever. He's like, if you guys fly out to California, I can try and get something lined up where you can maybe get some like clubs out of it. And then, and, and, you know, visit one of the uh, manufacturing plants where they make these things. And he's like, what brand do you like? And they said Callaway. So I, out on a whim, we fly to, to California and sure enough, we, we walk into the Callaway like headquarters and there's like 150 of their employees standing in their front entry, like cheering and clapping and taking pictures with us for an hour. So by this point, we're like, heck yeah, we're getting some free clubs out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we went to the fitting room and yeah, I've been golfing with them ever since. But um, some other random stuff on that trip, uh, Matt and I went to, we visited like CBS headquarters and we ended up on the news and just randomly with the weather guy and just went to Snapchat 
down in uh, uh, what's the beach with Muscle Beach? It's right in that area. Venice Beach. Yeah, right. Venice Beach. Yep. Um, just totally random stuff. Um, we met. Oh, then we had. There's a Team USA award show they always do after every Olympics. Uh, but we got to meet Mr. T there. He was one of our oh, biggest nice. fans on Twitter. So I, I have a picture with Mr. T back here. Um, we, oh, we, uh, we did end up going, we, uh, threw, uh, we delivered a rock with the puck on it to center ice at the, I don't remember which outdoor hockey game it was. It was in Annapolis. I know there's two of them. Um, and that was probably the coolest thing we did because there was, there was, uh, it was at Navy stadium. There's over 40,000 people there that knew who we were and were like cheering USA and, and man, that was just, that was surreal. There's a, there's a video of that on YouTube somewhere or something, but. Well, let's check that out. Yeah, we, we did the Vikings games, Timberwolves, Twins. We did the first pitch at the Twins. You should find that video too. That was really embarrassing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, tons of stuff. And we, we ended up uh, doing a video with the PGA for, introducing the Ryder Cup coming back in 2028 to Hazeltine as well. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and uh, one last thing. We, we were awarded the best team of the Olympics by the, um, not the International Olympic Committee, but another, another group where it involves every country in the world voting. So they flew us out to Japan uh, to receive that award, and we were there for maybe 24 hours. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot of flying. Holy crap. Oh, man. Yeah. So all my miles are just sitting there now, you know, waiting, <laughs> waiting for someday. Well, the, the other big question that I'm I'm itching to ask you is, how bad did Uncle Sam tax you when you brought back that medal? Uh, zero. Zero? Was, yeah, that was a new thing. Uh, previous Olympics, you were taxed on your winnings. You're not, you're not taxed on the medal itself. Okay. Um, but like we, we each took home like 37,000, I think. And that's that you can find that on the internet. That's public knowledge. Um, and yeah, it was tax free for, for that. That was, that was a good day when that came in. No kidding. I thought that they charged <laughs> you for, or they taxed you for your medals when you brought them back. Cause like no, the Phelps have like, he had a crazy year know. one year and he got just hammered by taxes. I don't think it's the medal. I think it's the winnings. So like, if he won eight medals in 2008 or whatever he won, uh, he'd get in the, in the prize was 37,000 medal. That means he won 37,000 times eight. And by the time you're taxed on that, yeah, you're talking about uncle Sam yeah. taking a lot of, yeah, a lot of money from the offshore bank account. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. That money in that one. <laughs> I, I think Michael's doing okay though. I'm not too worried about him. <laughs> well, so, that's good to hear that they didn't take anything. Or were you saying something tapping my bad? Oh, I was going to say, like, kind of with, like, all the other athletes and you're at the Olympics, and because as a viewer, you know, I'm not watching curling or hockey or anything like that, but then seeing, like, speed skating on TV just because they're USA, I'm all in on it and screaming at my television. Did that kind of translate to the athletes as well, where, yeah, you want to beat, you know, when you're curling matches and games, like, but then you're also paying attention to other sports and you're going crazy for them as well, or was it kind of you just focused on you and, and went about your business? No, absolutely. Uh so uh the building we lived in for that month was it was like a 20-story apartment building or soon-to-be apartments and our whole tower was u.s people and there was like 
one or two elevators. So you'd run into the other athletes all the time and, and, uh, and everybody would be supportive of each other. And, and in your apartment, if your uh, NGB uh, chose to pay for a TV, there was a TV in there. And all it was all the time was live feeds of other sports, like every single feed. So yeah, we could watch, we could watch hockey, turn it to speed skating. We could turn it to skiing. We could, and, and there's no announcers. So you just hear like all of the, just what's going on. Um, so to answer your question, it's not just about you. It's, it's definitely a team USA, like uh, mindset and, and you get to see all these people, not only in the elevator, but in the, in the dining room and everything where, I mean, it's just a gigantic like football field size tent where um, everybody eats and all the different countries and everybody. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool atmosphere and uh, definitely uh, focused on on your country. One other thing that we kind of left out, you know, you have a board game made after you. Do you own this said board game? Do you even have this? Does it, yeah, I. Mean, it's I have uh, I have four copies of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's like a four foot long little curling game that you the the curling rocks are like little balls, you know, and you roll them down into the circles, and you can play play with your friends, or whatever. It's as a real curler, it doesn't really entertain me that much, but a lot of people love it. And <laughs> That's cool. I hope you're getting a percentage of that. That's freaking sweet. A little bit. It's available on Amazon now. It was only with uh, TJ Maxx when it first came out, but I don't know. It's not going to make anybody rich, that's for sure. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. Going on ordering a copy right now. Yes. Yeah. It's just it's Prime Day, dude. You might as well. We might as well get a few copies. Is that is that today? It's uh, yesterday and today, yes. Okay. All right. Are you going to go order a few more copies too, boost some sales? No, it would probably cost <laughs> me more than it would make me back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, John, we really appreciate you coming on the show, man. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we'd love to have you back to talk about anything. And I hope you continue to keep competing because U.S. obviously needs your help. So don't give up, man. I hope you keep finding that that burn, that sensation to get you to get after it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, Tev, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think we covered it all. It was great having you on, and it was a good conversation. I didn't know what to expect coming from a curler, but you knocked it out of the park. Thanks. Appreciate it.